Welcome to KBCast, the podcast for security executives, interviewing people from around the globe on how organizations can operate smarter and stay safer. Here's Carissa Breen. I spoke with Thomas Mianot from With You With Me about his experience of being in the military and then transitioning into the corporate world. We discussed how veterans add a lot of depth and versatility to any cybersecurity function in an organization. With You With Me is dedicated to building talent pools and looking at trends in the market that need the right types of people, veterans in areas that mirror many functions of the defense forces. Stay tuned if you want to know more about the benefits of hiring veterans. Thomas, how are you doing? Carissa, I'm doing really well. I'm really excited to have this podcast because I know it's something that you and I have spoken about doing. Yeah. We finally got around to doing that. <laughs> I know that you have, you've had a baby in between. Yeah. So yeah. you said that you're still feeling pumped. You're not exhausted yet. I'm doing kind of pretty pretty all right, actually. Mm-hmm. The, the uh, little fella, we called him Archie. And, Love it. Uh, he, he's treating myself and my wife uh, pretty well at the moment. Yeah. Okay, so you're not sleep deprived yet? <laughs> not yet. Not yet. But I'm sure it's going to come. Awesome. So... What I wanted to talk to you today was more about what, a bit a bit more about your background, yeah. but then also more about what you guys do as a company and then sort of leading into the recruitment side of veterans. Yep. So let's start off about your journey. And I know that you've had quite an interesting one coming from the military yourself. And we on our podcast, we've also had a number of ex-military people as well. Mm. So how has your journey been so far? Yeah, so I guess like so my journey probably starts 10 years ago from today and uh, that's when I actually joined the military. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I came from a really small country town and I know that uh, you and yeah. I sort of bonded Yes, yeah. yes, regional people, regional yeah. People. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for me that was my way out. And uh, I joined the military and, and I went in as, a, as an officer, which is, you know, kind of like a middle management, I guess, mm-hmm. and uh, absolutely loved it. Uh, that job treated me really well, best, best job I ever had. Um, I got to be a combat leader. Uh, specifically, I was looking after combat engineers. That's that's what I specialised in. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I was lucky enough to get um, an overseas deployment to, to Southeast Asia. Specifically, went to Timor. Okay. And uh, you know, so I was uh, I was like 21, 22 at the time, mm-hmm. uh, running around East Timor, providing uh, a lot of support to, to over 500 uh, Australian uh, ADF members over there. Mm-hmm. Also providing support to the UN. Uh, and to the uh, to the local East Timorese government uh, and police force, and I guess what's unique about that particular experience was that um, you know I was only twenty two at the time, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, responsibilities mm-hmm. uh, in charge of a lot of people at the time, and I think when we start talking, and I'm sure we'll get into it a bit later on in the podcast around, yep. you know, what are some of the transferable skill sets of a military veteran? Mm-hmm, it was like, mm-hmm. well, when I was twenty two. I had a budget of a couple of million dollars in charge of a lot of people in a foreign country dealing with some pretty complex problems. Mm-hmm. I don't know what other 22-year-olds 20, were doing. They will probably, you know, finishing... Drunk new- on a beach somewhere, probably. <laughs> probably, which doesn't sound <laughs> terrible, by the way. Um, but, you know, that, that was my experience, right? Mm-hmm. I did that. Um, 
uh, progressed in my military career. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my last jobs I did in in defence was actually uh, headed up a recruiting centre down in Wollongong. Got you. Okay. And uh, and loved it. Got to see, I guess, you know, the other side of the fence where you know how does defence go about recruiting people? Mm-hmm. Um, turned out I was just really good at it mm-hmm. as well. And uh, you know, there was a certain sales aspect and a certain sort of corporate aspect uh, to and that a hustle. role. There was a big hustle. Yeah, hundred percent. And <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that I'm the 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 quintessential army officer, for example. But for me, I love the recruiting side and okay. I love the hustle. And um, I, I ended up leave, when I finally decided to leave defence. It, it was a really weird journey. I'd love to kind of get into that in a, in, in a bit further on in, the, in, in this conversation. Um, because it's not unique to me. Um, but let's just say when I finally left the military to, to find my next career, mm-hmm. it was really hard. Because mm-hmm. um, you did a stint in recruitment though, didn't you, a I, little bit? Yeah, I did, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was like the it was the, it was the only job I could find at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I, I was really lucky these guys did still take a punt on me, but like mm-hmm. we, we... Why uh, do you think that is? Um, oh, I'm just a really good salesperson. Like I managed to sell myself into that particular job, mm-hmm. um, but I, I didn't know enough about who I was as a person. Got you. Um, and I didn't know enough about industry uh, and all the di- well, different industries and what I was going to be good at next. Like I'd been trained to be a combat officer, mm-hmm. and now I'm like, what? I've, I've, you know, I did this recruiting in defence as well. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm maybe good at it. Um, do, is that my future now? Is that what I'm going to do? Am I going to do recruiting, or do I? You know, should I pursue project management, maybe, or management consulting, or mm-hmm. should I like what are my like what are my options, and what am I going to be good at? This is really, it's a really hard question to answer mm-hmm. um, for for military people when they leave. Is like, what am I going to do next? And you got to think as well. Like, there's a real personal achievement when you're part of a big organisation, a really meaningful organisation like Defence. Like, it's a very meaningful job. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you have that kind of pride and passion in something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you leave that organisation, you leave that society even, um, and you're trying to create a brand new identity. It's like it can be really – it's a really challenging thing to do mm-hmm. um, and it's it's just hard to understand, even know where to start next. Mm-hmm. Um, so I fell into recruiting like I think a lot of recruiters do. Um, this company did give me a chance. Um, I learned a lot in that first role. Uh, but I suffered um, what we refer to here at With You With Me as underemployment. Got you. Um, you know, again, when I was 22, I was leading whole teams char- in charge of millions of dollars worth of assets and budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and now here I was earning half of what I was on in defence mm-hmm. um, with no res- responsibilities, mm-hmm. um, being given menial tasks to do each, each and every single day. So, um, yeah, look, that and, – and then – that that's that was me landing out of defence. I ended up falling. Um, uh, I met with Tom Moore, who's our CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, during my transition journey, I met with Tom Moore, and he'd just started um, this company with you, with me. It was basically mm-hmm. just him and and two co-founders who were supporting him from a distance. Cool. Um, and uh, he he made, jokingly said to me one day, "Is like, hey, Thomas, when recruiting doesn't work out for you, come come work for me." Yep. Um, and so <laughs> after my my first stint in recruiting, I called him up and said, "Tom." you still need me to come work for you? And uh, he said, well, yeah, said yes. abs- absolutely, come. And uh, so that was the start of, of my journey at With You With Me. Uh, I was the first official employee. I like to call myself um, 
uh, patient zero. Got you. <laughs> uh, and, you know, uh, so the With You With Me journey, I guess, has um, been pretty interesting over the last – we've officially kind of existed for three years now, mm-hmm. um, uno- unofficially for about four. And, okay. you know, that journey, particularly over the last three years, has been incredible. It's been a lot of fun. But not not easy. No. But fun. No, I can totally relate to that in terms of the first couple of years in running any business is extremely hard, uh, especially oh, yeah. when you are doing something different, especially in Australia as well, because oh, a lot of people true. are like, oh, you're doing something different. We don't really like that. Yeah. You're coming outside the lines. Yeah. And I think that's where you and I sort of see an eye to eye originally because we we have a vision and we have a, a goal and we just yeah. go and do it. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't really matter what's in the way. Yeah. And I think that's really important, especially for, I think, even veterans, but also entrepreneurs as well that are looking to sort of break this industry that you have to have a lot of resilience about you. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. I'd like to jump into what you guys are doing today and what your organisation does. Yeah, yeah. Can you explain to our audience what you guys actually do? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll start with why we do what we do. Yep. Um, so we are all about solving veteran underemployment. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is our primary focus and mission here mm-hmm. at With You With Me is, is solving that underemployment, which mm-hmm. is what I suffered when I left. Um, and, and then second to that is, you know what, it's not just veterans that suffer from underemployment. Um, a lot of people in Australia suffer from underemployment. What do you think that is in terms of like a broader? Um, well, look, there, there's a lot of macro things going on right now in our economy, things mm-hmm. like the um, uh, the gig economy, which is kind of sure. the casualisation of our workforce. Yep, a lot of contracting. Um, you know, we haven't seen uh, wage growth in the last uh, number of years. You know, mm-hmm. that's having a massive impact. Yet the cost of living is getting more expensive as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so because of you know, people, we're not growing in the right industries either. And then there's a real shortage of talent in in particular industries and people aren't filling those roles that, that have been um, pushed into the wrong industries and the example of that is you know um, say 12,000 12, university graduates leave universities each year mm-hmm. and only 2,000 new law degree jobs are created each year yeah so it's a lot of people th- so what are those people doing what so, are they doing well, well there's a joke you know now in Sydney which is you have to have a law degree to be a barista right I mean, okay you know yep. like it's a joke, but these There's things quite come a large from truth. surplus of people that yeah. are not getting jobs. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, let's just think about university graduates for a second here. Like, talk about a massively underutilized group of people. Some, mm-hmm. like, these are probably you know not only are they our future. These some of these guys and girls are just crazy smart mm-hmm. and really, really driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've just been taught some great stuff over the last four years. You know, they they invested a huge amount of their personal time and money mm-hmm. to get educated to be ready for the. The, uh, the workforce mm-hmm. and, and then the workforce throws them nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so like that is underemployment. Mm-hmm. Um, and veterans coming out with huge, uh, years of experience, a lot of certifications and qualifications, mm-hmm. um, again, getting looked over. What about return to work mums? Mm-hmm. Oh, you've been out of the workforce for two years now. 100%. You know, like what about those people? Um, what about career shifters? What if, what if your industry is now declining? What do you do? You've got all this usable experience and you can't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about people, um, the, the elderly, people who are, you know, 60 years old, for example, and no one's giving them a job right now because, hey, you know, you might only have five more years left. We don't want to take that risk, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. But the, this person has got, you know, 50, you know, possibly 40 years worth of experience, of in, knowledge and, and experience and just mm-hmm. wanting to work. Mm-hmm. Like talk about underemployment, right? So, And that's, an, that's another big area when you, when you and I met at MIT originally. Yeah, that's that right. That what you guys do actually looking at areas and I think you got up and you explained yeah. about cybersecurity, data science. These are the areas where you guys believe that they needed to. Yeah, so it goes into perfectly. So, you know, that's 
what we're solving and then how we're solving it. Like we, we call it building talent. Mm-hmm. That's our catchphrase here. We, we build talent. That's mm-hmm. what we do. And, um, and the way that we all... The way that we're building talent is, you know, online courses, they're yep. great. Uh, they have to be engaging. They have to be um, up to date. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we're specifically focusing on particular industries and career types that are in huge demand in Australia. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? You know, like if you're not competing against anyone, experience is irrelevant now. Yeah, 100%. You know, or if people are screaming out for, for talent, uh, you know, cybersecurity is, is, a, is a perfect example of this where we've built there's some great online cyber training courses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we're taking university graduates and, and veterans through our training and we're deploying them into uh, that industry across mm-hmm. Australia mm-hmm. and um, and you know the reason why that's been successful is because well who they else are you going to choose exactly like, there's no one else no one else ha- even has experience no right they now. don't they don't they so don't. Um, so we we build talent is is our solution to solving underemployment mm-hmm. and, and, and it can work for anyone so you know if you're in a declining industry you know you do need to look at actually reskilling yourself mm-hmm. Um, Do you think that scares people? Um, maybe some people, but I think what doesn't scare people is structure, is structure and known progression. Co- and what I mean by that is um, if you need to change, that can be scary. But if somebody's telling you how to change and where that change is going to lead to... They're fine. That's fine. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yep. So in that sense... Um, yeah, and that's what we do here with you, with me, particularly mm-hmm. with the veterans. We help them with that transition to help them adopt the change and think of the change in a positive way, mm-hmm. not a negative way. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we, we are massively outcomes focused here, mm-hmm. meaning like we're thinking about getting that person a job, yeah. which means that the training we, we're giving them isn't just like fluff. It has to be getting it's that person day around. ready mm-hmm. for day one. Yeah, of course. So, um, yeah, that, I guess that's our, that's our mindset. So, yeah, so we're solving underemployment mm-hmm. and we're doing that by building talent specifically focusing on high growth areas in Australia awesome and that that sort of leads me into my next question about the adoption to companies hiring veterans do you think this is slower in terms of the uptake than what you would have liked yeah but I said only because we're massively ambitious <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we, we, we probably would have wished we'd uh, solved the problem two years ago or mm-hmm. even day one but uh, look you know what there has been a massive change in tide um, in the past three years mm-hmm. uh, towards uh, the whole veteran community. So, you know, Malcolm Turbull, like he, one thing he absolutely did uh, well for the veteran community started his um, veteran uh, Prime Minister Veteran Initiative, right? And essentially, in essence, that, that created veterans as a diversity group mm-hmm. here in Australia. That's really important when you start talking about corporate social responsibility mm-hmm. um, and, and certain companies wanting to actually reach out to the veteran community, um, bring them in as part of their own diversity programs um, and, and, and that sort of stuff. Um, but it really what it did was shine a massive light on veterans specifically around the transition. Mm-hmm. So before that, um, the veterans were really been looked at because of issues like PTSD. Got you. You know, um, pre-2016, there was some incredible campaigns happening around bringing awareness to mm-hmm. the Australian community around veterans suffering from PTSD. Yep. Like, whilst that's that's a real issue, and it, and it still is, mm-hmm. um, it massively uh, detracted from the value of all the veterans. Now, we're talking PTSD um, impacts maybe 2% or less mm-hmm. of, of, of the veteran community. I think it's even less. Um and so then 98% of veterans were kind of almost been at the time tarred with the same brush. Got of you. Of people thinking, oh, veterans are, like, who are veterans? 
Got you. Like, are they people still from that fought in Vietnam? Is that who we're talking about? Or, okay, yeah. Or, or is it people who went to Afghanistan and are now mentally broken? Is that a veteran? And so one of the, the biggest things we've had to do in the last three years is help rebrand what, is, what a veteran is. Mm-hmm. Like, I love going into meetings, talking about veterans, and then explaining to everyone in the room that I'm a veteran. And What's they, the response? Oh, like? they just look at me. They're like, but you're too young. <laughs> you look too young to be a veteran. So, like, it talk, talks to their psyche. Like, or oh, you just don't look aggressive enough. I'm like, well, you know, you've got to think that there's 330 different jobs in the military. A lot of them are trade-based or engineering-based or logistics-based. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, not, mm-hmm. not only a small portion are actually combat-based. Yeah, that's right. So, in essence, there's almost like you know, the um, military is almost like a dichotomy of society itself. Mm-hmm, so... Mm-hmm. The 2016, Malcolm does his uh, veteran initiative program. It was great. Shone a light on veterans in the transitioning project. Got you. Uh, uh, sorry, um, uh, space. And ever since then, there's been a, just like, you know what, like I just want to do a massive shout out to Australian corporate to say, you know, like you guys heard it and like, yes, you're actually doing stuff about it. And it's not, they're not just kind of just um, paying it off. Like, like I've, we're seeing some real genuine um, efforts here. Um, you know, a lot of companies now have their own veteran initiatives, mm-hmm. uh, like hiring initiatives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I'm such a big fan of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really, really grateful for where it's gone. Um, can more happen? Absolutely. Yep. Um, I think what we've seen most recently is um, now the um, uh, uh, DCO, so uh, Department uh, – no, DVA. DVA? Oh, no, I'm going to get this wrong, so I better not say it. But let's just <laughs> say um, that uh, there's a particular government body now that's gone out with a tender and are actually allocating money now to helping veterans in the transition mm-hmm. to go and get work. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, like, like that's, that's incredible. Like, mm-hmm. like we think that that is absolutely the right step towards helping solve this particular problem. Um, do I think it's been the uptake has been as fast as I wanted it to be no no, no but I mean this is because I'm super ambitious I wish everyone had a veteran and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that so do you think the the, the adoption was slower because like we spoke before uh, before the podcast that people are a little bit more reserved in Australia so do you think that was sort of from a cultural point of view behavioural <sighs> point Look, of view I think we, we all know and everyone listening to, to the uh, to the podcast hopefully if you're Australian you'll understand <laughs> um, we are a really reserved nation aren't we we are uh, we, we don't really want to be the first person and to, to make a move. No. Uh, so, yeah, look, that does absolutely slow down the conversation. Sure. But you know what? We're also a really caring nation as well. And I think we see that in some of our foreign aid and how much we donate to, to, other, to other companies, particularly as a local population, you know, mm-hmm. when, when things happen abroad. You know, we, we donate big because we genuinely care. Yeah. And, you know, I've never had a conversation with a person who didn't care about our veterans. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, um, yeah, look, Australians, we are slow to adopt new things. Yeah. Um, it, it can be fr- – look, it can be really frustrating sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see that they have the heart to want to help mm-hmm. and you, you think you have a solution to help them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's, there's, a, there's always a lot of bureau- uh, bureaucracy here in this country yes. slowing things down. Um, a lot of red tape. Us. We, a lot of different decision makers. Uh, always, always. But um, – you know, again, at least we're seeing things trend in the, the right direction, not, yeah. not the wrong direction. Mm. So. And that's one of the big reasons why I wanted to interview you guys because I have been following you guys for a while mm. and I've spoken to multiple people within your organisation and I wanted to bring more awareness to this because I think it's Thank something you. that I did go to one of your early events in 2017 and yeah. actually spoke to the veterans and he's like, I don't know why I can't get a job. Yeah, yeah, I've got yeah. 20 years of military experience. Right, absolutely. And I think that's something that you spoke earlier about 
being from the country and stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah, to yeah. me, it sort of it, it sits close with me because I understand that feeling, and I wanted to bring more awareness on that topic. No, thanks, so moving along, I know there's a lot of talk about qualifications in the industry, plus yeah. chatter around hiring in terms of how many years of experience someone is to have before even being considered for a security based role. Yeah. What is your opinion on how companies should be embracing veterans? Sure. Um, look, that, that's a really dangerous question because I know in the industry... It's a safe zone, so... Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, look, we know that uh, in the cyber, particularly in the IT industry more broadly, like the, um, opinions are really divided on, on certifications and qualifications. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'll tell you about more what I'm seeing. Okay. I'm seeing a trend away from the need to have qualifications, so yep. things like degrees and, and um, diplomas, mm-hmm. and, a, and a trend more towards having certifications. So sure, sure, sure. And then even more so, actually a, t- a trend towards technical-based testing during interviews mm-hmm. because actually what people really want is the person who's doing the technical job to be able to do it. Yeah, of course. So what we're seeing is, is an uptake in both um, aptitudinal psychometric, behavioural uh, and technical te- uh, technical based testing mm-hmm. up front mm-hmm. to make sure that people can actually, you know, culturally fit in, they can, um, you know, they can learn new skills quickly, the right skills, and then also do they have the right skills mm-hmm. to be able to do the job day one. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing that. And then, and then probably substituted by more certifications. Look, I think certifications are great uh, so much in the sense that, like, uh, it is a good entree. It's a or it's a great way for somebody who's transitioning into a brand new career mm-hmm. to at least get a bit of a uh, an entree of knowledge uh, and skills before moving into that industry. And at least with a certification, you can at least start. Sure. And um, you know, I think uh, when I think about a holistic person from a recruiting perspective mm-hmm. um, and a hiring perspective, you know, I think of three things: experience, skills, and knowledge. Yep. And, you know, at the moment, I think uh, recruiters and hiring managers put way too much emphasis on experience. Which is that is, because they've sort of almost been, I don't want to use the word indoctrinated, but I'm going to say it anyway, simply because they've been... Indoctrinated is the right word. Okay. No, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I've it's, seen it before. I've worked yeah. in large companies and working with internal talent acquisition yeah. teams have found that we found someone and they sort of just was like, no. I mean, I, I, I think there's nothing more ridiculous than seeing on, on a job description, yep. you know, three to five years of experience. Yep. Like, what does that actually, like, what does that actually mean? Mm-hmm. And then, like, three to five years, that's a two-year experience gap. Like, Yeah, exactly. What, exactly. Like, how can you be so liberal about that? Yeah, exactly. Like, what is it, three or five years? And then what do you expect somebody who's done five years mm-hmm. versus three years? Or, like, do you not expect anyone to progress from the third to fifth year? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. I don't understand either because I've sort of always gone around – the typical so, job yeah. uh, well, yeah, requirements. You're, you're different. You, you just go straight to the source. <laughs> I just go straight <laughs> into the main dude yeah, we know and be that like, I want yeah. a job. Yeah, this we is know how I'm going to do it. What do, I, that too, yeah. what do I need to do to get the job? <laughs> but I think it's something that needs to change face because oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going to lose as an industry and I've done, a, I've done multiple presentations yeah. down on, uh, on this because – like you were saying, like I feel like people are just getting overlooked because they don't have oh, three or five years totally. of experience yep. when they've actually got the experience and I feel that perhaps the internal talent acquisition manager yep. doesn't see that or the hiring manager doesn't see it and yeah. maybe they don't see it because they're bound by corporate guidelines and parameters yeah, or yeah, yeah. I feel when you, when you talk to people, you can see the raw talent. Oh, absolutely. And that's why, um, you know, people would – like 
when we think about recruiting, people recruit first through personal networks mm-hmm. because they know the people. Yeah, exactly. And it, what's ironic is that when you hire through your personal networks, mm-hmm. you don't you rarely have a conversation around skills, qualifications, certifications. It's actually just about I know this person, I trust this person can do the job. Mm-hmm. We'll help him or her to do the job. Yeah. Yeah, we don't apply and we trust ourselves to, to make that decision and make it a, and it's a, a usually a right decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't trust ourselves to do that um, when we don't know the person. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think we, we rely, rely on this it. concept of experience, but mm-hmm. we're not breaking down like what does what do you want that person to have in their experience because when you think about it like you might actually say, well, the reason why I want somebody to have five years of IT experience is because they've learned how to deal with customers. They've learned how to deal with complex problems. They know how to actually um, manage a team now. You know, I expect them to do this. Well, a veteran has done all of that. Exactly. They've got five years of experience in a different in- industry, but yet the same type of a role. So actually what they should be looking at is like um, what skills do you have Mm-hmm. And then what uh, actual technical knowledge do you have? And is that technical knowledge, can, do we require that day one? Can it be trained before you start? Mm-hmm. Can it be trained, can you do on-the-job training and still be useful yes. um, during your probation, et cetera? So I think like, we're, we're, like, you know, we're trying to beat the drum and, and tell a different story to HR managers and recruiters, which is around you've got to think about talent really differently and specifically in the cyber industry where mm-hmm. we're so... We're, you know, we're crying out for good talent mm-hmm. and we can't find it, so we're just stealing it from each other, which exactly. is crazy, um, or just counterproductive. Um, we are, like, the talent is actually out there. Just got to think about how you attract Outside them the and how you acquire them differently. And yeah, they don't have like, 10 years of experience. I'm like, where are we getting these people from? From pot plants? Because they don't exist. <laughs> so I'm like, 10 years oh, of experience, yeah, 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 yeah. 25 years. I'm like, who are these people? Because <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have a number of people coming to me on LinkedIn saying, like, how do I get a job? Or I've got all this training. Actually, one was a veteran. Yeah, yeah, I've got right. all this training. Like, what do I... I'm still getting knocked back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not qualified enough to be able to say uh, this is the way you should do things. So I want yeah. to be able to spread awareness through my platform, through social channels. Yeah, right. Because I feel that people are being overlooked. And I don't know what that feels totally. like because I've been overlooked before. And now I just go straight to the main source. It's, this it's is it. Killer, this is how it's going to be. Yeah. And, and then here you are running multiple businesses and you think, <laughs> how many people overlooked you in your recruiting process? Heaps, heaps. And, and you know that not only could you have dominated your job there, you could have dominated your boss's job. Mm-hmm. And yet they just looked at your resume and they said, no, nah, doesn't have the experience. It just 100%. Blows, it annoys me more than anything. And it's something that I look back on retrospectively now that you mentioned. I got knocked back for a role uh, because I didn't have any experience using a CRM, but yeah. I was actually developing in Tableau and I was actually doing reporting yeah, right. and stuff yeah, like that. Exactly. And I thought, I haven't done it, but I'm sure yeah. I could learn it yeah. simply because, hey, I've, I've done this. Mm-hmm. Couldn't see that. Couldn't see past that. And that's what I always say to people, like, it doesn't really matter. Um, and it's funny because that company years down the track actually hired my firm to do a whole bunch of work. That's the best thing in the world. So I think that, yes, you get overlooked. And I've been overlooked before because I'm female and I'm a younger female and all these types of things. But I think now it's getting to to a stage now that doesn't matter anymore because I've I've earned the street cred. I've I've earned my own stripes. Mm. But I still see a number of people being knocked back simply because they probably are just dealing with someone who maybe is a little bit cynical or maybe a little bit narrow-minded that should open their eyes up to be a little bit more like, hey, actually – this guy uh, is has some serious yeah. uh, experience behind him. Yeah, let's give him a go. Well, my my, my shot across the bow uh, is usually direct, always directed at at, at, um, at recruiters, uh, talent acquisition managers, and HR managers. And um, you know, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this because you know they are our, our ideal partners. But 
you know, it's actually the hiring manager. If you go to the line manager or the hiring manager, they will say exactly what you just said. You know what? I don't need them to have degrees or this, that. I actually just need them to be a team player, to integrate well, to be a fast adopter of new technologies mm-hmm. and new ideas, and to be able to be conscientious and deliver results quickly. Mm-hmm. That's what they actually want. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, it's not even the recruiter's fault or the HR manager's fault. It's, you know, they have their own, inter- like you said, own internal Bound systems. Bound by policies, yep. You must have this and that and the other. And, you know, I, I think, like, it's really disappointing. But then the, the the light at the end of the tunnel is when you see big companies like Apple and Google saying, actually, having a degree is no longer a prerequisite to, to apply for our mm-hmm. jobs. EY recently put out an article that said they collected, like, over 25 years' worth of data and said there is no correlation between having a degree and being successful in a job. No, that's no, no, no. there's actually no evidence for it. Mm-hmm. So what I'd love to say to, to your whole audience, particularly if you're a recruiter or a HR manager um, listening to this is like, you know, why do you have um, particular um, barriers in place when it comes to recruiting and could you be thinking about talent differently and actually filling all of your vacancies? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting point because I know veterans have a background in navigating a battlefield. <laughs> So why aren't they being sought out as aggressively as they should? Great, great <laughs> question. Um, look, it's it's a lot of it's, it really comes down to awareness mm-hmm. and and people's perception of what a veteran actually is. Got you. And uh, you so just so we're clear, can you please give the formal definition of a veteran? So everyone is aware. No, of that? I don't want to do that because I'll probably get it wrong. But <laughs> let me let me tell you. Let me tell you your um, interpretation of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No. So look. I mean, a veteran is anyone that has served in the military, so I think that's a point of difference. Uh, and that only actually happened recently internally to Defence, that so mm-hmm. they actually decided that if anyone who's served is actually now a veteran. It used to be anyone who had served overseas Got you. Was, was a veteran, but right. now, now anyone who's served in Defence is a veteran. Got you. Uh, which I think is actually a great thing because, it, it you know, people are willingly join Defence to serve and are therefore willing to deploy overseas and serve mm-hmm. in a conflict uh, situation if they have to. So I think even uh, identifying somebody's willingness to do that, even if they didn't, is, is, a, is a great thing. So a veteran is anyone that served. But the typical veteran leaving defence mm-hmm. is a 28-year-old male with a trade. Mm-hmm. Like that's the average. Mm-hmm. Now if you ex- extrapolate all the data, they are literally just a dichotomy of Australia. Like mm-hmm. We have females, mm-hmm. we have engineers, mm-hmm. we have Indigenous, we have guys coming out with trades, uh, we have IT, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we have transportation, logistics. Yeah, we have combat as well and yeah. that's why I joined because <laughs> I, I love the idea of blowing up bridges, which is what I was trained to do, best yep. job in the world. Um, but, you know, like what's really ironic, uh, you know, I was talking literally just pitching this whole concept to a client just yesterday uh, down in Melbourne and I literally showed him photos uh, LinkedIn photos of veterans and I said and, and we played a quick, quick quick game which was is this a veteran or a management consultant oh, now this, really? this company was a management oh consultancy my God. yeah you go and I said is this a veteran or a management consultant and they had to guess okay yeah they were the trick question was they were all veterans got you but they thought they they looked like management consultants because do they get any of them right um oh yeah they because they're all veterans. Yeah. Like, they, that's a veteran. Like, well, that's <laughs> technically true. But it also looks like you know, the, guy, the guy was massive and ripped. But, um, 
you know, like the point of that exercise to that particular client was mm-hmm. to help them with the perception battle around like what you think a veteran actually is yep. is probably only partly true. Correct. Um, and then when we think about uh, so vet- what do they think a veteran actually looks like then, Ted Curiosity? Well, like, so, so I, I love to ask this particular question, Like a big question, ripped right? dude. Like I, asked you, I used to ask you this question right at the start before we even started recording, right? Like what do you think a veteran is? Um, your answer was right, but I mean... Thank gosh. The, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, I'll get one or two responses. Response A is somebody who fought in Vietnam. Yep. Uh, so some typically white guy who's probably in his 60s or 70s yeah, now. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. yep. Um, or it's a combat person who's, who's broken, who's broken, or mm. more like break. You know, somebody who's really aggressive and violent. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, that's a very both of them, big sweeping statement. Both of them are, are veterans. Like, yeah, don't yeah, get yeah. me wrong, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, the yeah. percentage is just so so minuscule. Mm-hmm. Like the actual, like you know, majority of us are probably working with veterans. You just wouldn't even know it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Do you think that also stems from Hollywood? Because I know in cybersecurity, three D um, rendering in terms of hacking that that doesn't happen. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, like, <laughs> like, I remember you saying things that. coming out of the screen and stuff like yeah, that. Like I've never yeah. seen that personally. Yeah. So do you think it's just because of Hollywood and, and television that people have this perception and this and this stereotype that's built up in their mind? Yeah. Look, I mean, uh, that's yeah, partly true, but then also partly you know when you just look, you you, you watch the news, you know. We don't when we portray the military and particularly in active operations, we don't go and show the back end logisticians mm-hmm. moving tires around. Yeah, got that's you. boring. You, yeah, you yeah, want to yeah. go and, and, and you know you get shown the combat footage, right? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Um, so we assume that that is what a veteran is and mm-hmm. what all veterans are. And then actually, to be honest, I mean, when we think about veterans, most people think about the army. People very often forget that we have you know that veterans are also coming out of the navy Air and Force. Air Force. Yeah, of course. Um, most of those guys and girls will have you know, don't see hand-to-hand active aggressive fighting no, you know these right. guys and girls are you know some of the most incredible problem solvers mm-hmm. in the world mm-hmm. i was mm-hmm. talking to to one um air force logistician mm-hmm. it was her job to get you know a widget from australia into afghanistan through multiple borders in and and she had to basically problem solve how to do like you know it was a critical part you know a particular piece of aircraft couldn't mm-hmm. get off the ground, which they needed, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, how do I get, you know, item A to um, destination B in mm-hmm. a short period of time? Mm-hmm. And the amount of, like, the com- the the logistical complexity behind that is just incredible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for her, that was just Monday morning. Got like, you. it was... Just casually. It's just yep. like, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then when you try and go out to the, the logistics industry and explain how good veterans are and how well-suited they are... Like there's no instant connection, so you Don't have you? to start. You really got to get a veteran in there to prove how good these guys mm-hmm. and girls can be first, uh, which is a bit, a bit disappointing. That I guess we of can't. That the, the people can't just understand straight off the bat that a veteran is just you know it could be you, it could be me. Like um, and 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 we just spent a lot of time helping people understand the transferable skills and attitudes, behaviours, um, and even some of the technical skills as well. Mm-hmm. So can you provide some advice around adoption to companies who are looking to hire outside of the norm? Yes. Uh, it all starts with a mindset. So you have to think differently first. And you have to, well, you have to be willing to think differently first. And, and do you think it's – when you say think differently, do you think that that 
that point of thinking differently is actually coming from smaller to medium-sized companies rather than your large enterprises? No, no, actually I'm, it, I'm, I'm seeing it more from large enterprise. Because they know they've got to move now. Oh, I think so, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, plus they have the resources and the capacity to be able to take larger risks like that for, mm-hmm. you know, um, for, to, to be able to build out their workforce. Sure. Uh, I, I probably see the, the most resistance probably comes from small businesses because they really can't afford to take that kind of okay. – they can't hire the wrong person. You can never hire the wrong person. Yeah, of course. Um, veterans actually work exceptionally well in small businesses. Um, um, but it starts with a mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, here at With You With Me, the way that we think about uh, talent is uh, we always start with data. So we've been testing veterans who have been coming onto our platform for the past two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, like full, full – incredible battery of tests right like psychometric culture behavior mm-hmm. aptitude and technical why do we do that we do that because with that data we can tell the veteran what they're going to be good at we can match that that type of a profile sure. to a type of a career and say you're going to be a really good a really good cyber analyst for example because you have high conscientiousness and high to experience and you're curious mm-hmm. You, you make a great analyst. Mm-hmm. And then once we have that data, we can say, here's some, here's some training mm-hmm. to upskill yourself. So you've got the, so you're skill ready. Mm-hmm. So now you can go and deploy day one into a cyber analyst role and, and off you go. Got you. Um, so we start with data and we, we, help, we want businesses to, to actually understand their whole workforce from a, um, a completely objective point of view. Like, is this person in the right job? Is there a job that could be, they, this person could be better at? Like, I always thought I, w- I would be a good project manager because mm-hmm. of the background I came from within defence. Mm-hmm. I'd make a terrible project manager, like mm-hmm. like terrible. Mm-hmm. I'd make a great salesperson. No one, like <laughs> I fell into sales, I'm really lucky. No <laughs> one would have told me like, you know, without data, like yep. people wouldn't have naturally gone, oh, you're from the military, you make a good salesperson. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we always start with data. Then we move into career matching. Then we turn in. Then we we, we focus on upskilling, um, and then we, we focus on deployment. Now that's how we solve the transition for veterans. But it turns out you can apply that exact same way of thinking and methodology to your internal workforce. Got you. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, we always talk to, to clients about you know if you've hired someone and you like them, um, and and they like you, why would you ever get rid of them? Mm-hmm. If you have a new need within your business, have you thought about moving? We call it talent mobility. Have you thought about moving somebody from a declining part of your business to a, a, a growth part of your business? Mm-hmm. And then you just train them up and upskill them. So that turns out it's actually, it works in, like, from an internal perspective as well. Um, so look, it starts with, um, to answer your question, you have to be willing to think about this problem differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then we, we say, you've got to look at it objectively. Use data to make objective decisions mm-hmm. and then enable people to change. I think that's awesome. I think that that's a really uh, scientific way of looking at things and not so yeah. anecdotal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we, we think that that's – so there's a bigger um, play going on here and that is as a company we're positioning ourselves as thought leaders to solve the future of work problem. Mm-hmm. Now, future of work is a relatively new term that's kind of getting thrown out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yep, it, yep. you know, I think we are talking about this before, right, mm-hmm. um, at the MIT conference, which yep. is like as jobs become automated and augmented – and skills uh, fade faster. Yes. And um, and new jobs are created faster. And jobs are now becoming irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we adapt 
to that type of pace and that environment. Well, we think that our way that we're now developing and our methodology is a genuine solution to that particular problem. And we're seeing a really mm-hmm. positive uptake from our clients um, and from the veterans. And we genuinely think that we can have a massive social impact mm-hmm. um, if we can get everyone on board with this. No, I think that's a really cool message and that's really powerful because I think, like I said, it's something that I haven't seen any or many organisations yeah. do. Yeah. Um, and, and I've spoken to a lot of them before and I think that it would be cool to see them really thrive in, in a different yeah. environment. Now, Thomas, I'd like to ask you one last question. What is your advice to companies in terms of the recruitment of veterans who have transferable skills that would certainly be a valuable asset to any organisation? Can I just say, do it? (laughs) That's that's an obvious answer, but to give a more elaborate viewpoint. Yeah, yeah. So, look... The reason why we are doing what we're doing is mm-hmm. because there's a real social issue uh, that we're suffering from here in Australia around veteran underemployment. Mm-hmm. But it goes well beyond that now. It's actually talking about underemployment. So from an economic point of view, um, you know, Australia is missing out on a lot of good people being great jobs because mm-hmm. we're underemploying them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the flow-on effect is we're not getting we're not earning as much in tax because people aren't getting paid as the, what they should be paying, and the, the economic fallout is huge. So um, I think uh, we need to start seriously thinking about: Are we employing people correctly, mm-hmm. and are we positioning our businesses for the future of work? Mm-hmm. Um, and are we thinking about uh, talent mobility in the right way? Are we thinking about how we can be finding the right data points on people and making sure that they're in the right job and creating them for success. So um, to, I guess, streamline all that into a, like a single statement on like what I th- like how I think people should be thinking about veteran employment is veterans are going to be the future leaders mm-hmm. that solve all of our world's problems. Mm-hmm. We're just going to be about, to, we're just 10 years away from that. And we just need more people to be more open-minded about giving veterans the opportunity. Because I can guarantee you, if you can give a veteran an opportunity and they're in the right job, they will do exceptionally well. Let's put <laughs> no, it you're way. spot on. And I think I've got a lot of friends actually who are ex-military. Yeah. And um, it's weird because someone actually thought I was ex-military. Maybe because Mate, I, I, I would believe it. Really? You told me that you, were, like, you would definitely have been like in electronic warfare or a cryptological <laughs> linguist, like a, a real like creepy person like in the, in the dark just oh. kind of like looking at people like, like going like what's hey, going on oh, hey. no, no no just like kind of like I know what you did last weekend so that like if you told me you I did that in that, real life yeah yeah like I would genuinely believe that yeah I get asked yeah. all the time I'm like mm, I don't know maybe it's because I'm just I'm direct you are direct yeah yeah and I I, I, I I go for what I want and yeah. just straight for the kill um, so my parents used to say she just goes straight for the kill. Yeah, good. It's, mate, that's why I like it so much. <laughs> well, Thomas, it was so awesome to have this chat with you. Uh, where can people reach out to you if they want to have a chat? Yeah, Chris, thanks. Uh, look, thanks so much for, for, for having me on your show. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, look, if people are interested in what we're doing um, or anything that I guess we've been speaking about, um, you can reach out to us on our website, which is www.withyouwithme.com. Um, mm-hmm. Or hit me up on LinkedIn, Thomas Minot. Love to have a chat. Awesome. So, guys, if you are listening to this, Thomas is a very awesome person to talk to about this type of stuff and has a lot of knowledge. And if you are considering hiring veterans, I'd encourage you to reach out to him. Mate, thanks so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. 
Thanks for tuning in to KBcast, the cybersecurity podcast for executives. We always value your support and would love it if you could leave us a review or a comment on your platform of choice, iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And that's always appreciated. Till next time.